Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris Delano. And that's all of us this week. Yeah, everyone else is off at college, I guess. I don't know. No, they're now, that, that, hooky. That, it doesn't <laughs> even work. Jay's like... 50 years old or whatever i mean we get a certain number of excused absences um that we can take or unexcused ones and uh i'm pretty sure carrie's good but jay is definitely cutting close (laughs) Uh, yeah uh jay you you have to show up for more podcasts or you're gonna fail the semester uh uh, no but uh making absences count towards grades is uh ableist and you should stop doing it schools anyway (laughs) Mm -hmm. but uh we're we we are here to talk about school but not all my thoughts on how education in america is broken uh because that's all probably a whole other podcast yikes um we're here to talk about strixhaven and uh we are going to begin this week talking about our strixhaven fiction which is uh once again back in the five main stories five side stories on fridays uh, the main stories are on Wednesdays, and um, yeah, uh, for this set we have uh, the the main story re- revolving around our five planeswalkers: Liliana, Kazmina, Rowan, Will, and Luca. And then our side yeah. stories, uh, each one um, focusing on one of the uh, legendary students from each of the colleges. So. Yeah, previews are ongoing as of the recording of this podcast, which is happening on April Fool's Day. Um, but we we don't do April Fool's jokes because why? Um, <laughs> No, let, let's correct ourselves. Us three generally don't do April Fool's jokes. There's one of us who loves to do April Fool's jokes and doesn't even stop them from doing them any other day of the year. But we're not going to talk about them today. We we <laughs> peaked. Our, our April Fool's jokes peaked at the Segovia episode. We're never going to do better than that. Um, no, that's fair. But also, we're just very tired and don't want to do April Fool's anything. So uh, we're just going to give it to you straight. Haha, <laughs> not true because I'm on this episode. Um, uh. <laughs> so we're going to start with episode. Episode 1, Classes in Session by Adana Washington, who is writing the uh, main set stories for this set. I almost said block, <laughs> um, which I do a lot. I almost say block a lot, but uh, we, I, we, that thinking has not been uh, pruned from my brain yet. Anyway, uh, so we start off on the plane of Arcavios. Strixhaven University in the mighty biblioplex. I can say words. Um, (laughs) The bibbledy bobbity. The largest library in the multiverse contains every spell. Uh, And we have um, uh, a fun character here, Professor Onyx, brand new character we've never seen before. Uh And uh, she has wandered away from a teacher's meeting and uh, has noticed someone rooting around in the books on a a shelf, sitting on the ground. And uh, they got this weird mask and she's like who the hell are you and what the hell are you doing and startled this person blasts her with a with a ray of purple energy that like grazes her arm and then uh disappears uh as onyx is uh distracted by another professor and that's the first scene it's very mysterious also professor onyx is liliana but shh don't tell anybody she's undercover she tells us that in the second paragraph. She's not very yeah. good at keeping this a secret identity. And I'm super confused because her, I, were, does her tattoos are they always there? I for some reason I thought they only showed up when he, when she used her power. Is that something that changed? Because on her card art and the art that they used with the article, 
It appears there are outlines of her tattoos that are still on the art. Uh, she has been illustrated in varying ways, whether the tattoos appear as faint lines when she's not using her magic or not. Uh, regardless, they glow intensely purple when she's using her magic, and uh, I I suspect for her card art, um, they they are drawn in faintly as the subtle "Hey, it's Liliana!" wink, wink kind of reference, uh, whether it's like a diegetic thing or not. Um, I figure she's trying to be incognito. That's the wrong way to go about it, right? Don't worry, no one recognizes her. These aren't planeswalkers here. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, um, well, there are some planeswalkers there, uh, at least two of them who show up, uh, next in the story. You mean three, Casmina? Yeah, but like, she's, she's kind of, um, she's kind of already there. They meet her there. So, uh, in the next scene, we hop over to Kylum, which we have not been on Kylum in a very long time. Uh, that was the plane of battle bond for those of you who don't remember where we were first introduced to Will and Rowan Kenrith, uh, well before Eldraine's story ever came out. Uh, where Will and Rowan were like renowned gladiators in the Kylum Arena, and it was uh, it's cool stuff. Anyways, they're there, and they have uh, apparently a couple of weeks ago received an owl-shaped letter from someone who we can all recognize from War of the Spark, Kazmina, uh, who has invited them to join Strixhaven University. And, well, they've been taking their sweet time leaving, and someone is getting very impatient. If you can guess which of the twins would be impatient. Um, Through the blue one. Yeah, no, it's Rowan. Uh, <laughs> Rowan really, she she's ready to go, and Will is still sitting there trying to decide between three or two different books that he wants to bring with him. This is the kind of nerd that Will Kenrith is. There are two books on the table, and he can only bring one, and he can't decide if he wants the molten prophecy or Thaddeus the healer, and it is relatable, but also it's a big like cheaty mood. <laughs> it's it's also very <laughs> embarrassing. Um, it's hilarious. Uh, Will eventually decides on taking Thaddeus the healer, uh, and by decides, I mean he reaches out and grabs a book as Rowan quite like literally pulls him through the portal uh, that forms when they sort of connect to the letter. I'm guessing like Kazmina like put directions to Strixhaven on the letter. So they planeswalk to Strixhaven. Uh, and it is, it's cool. Uh, important note, we do get a quick mention that uh, Garrick, fulfilling his foster dad duties, uh, did stick around on Kylum to make sure the twins were okay and like understood planeswalking and what they were and were safe. Uh, and once he realized, hey, these kids are going to be fine on their own, uh, he pieced out. Um, he did. He did. He did his uh, his contractual uh, fatherly job of educating those kids, and uh, we appreciate him for that. One thing that's also noted is that Rowan is able to initiate the the, the planeswalk, and she ha- she pulls Will with her. It's, it seems like they share it. Like it's it's always been assumed, but I don't know that it's ever been clearly stated that they share a spark and like one plane. If one planeswalk, the other goes with uh, their will. That is a thing that has been public. They do share a spark and they cannot planeswalk individually. Uh, they always have to be together. So far, dun dun sure. dun. Um. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, they end up on Arcavios, which is the name of the plane, not Strixhaven. I have to remind myself it is Arcavios and Strixhaven is a school there. Yeah. So they uh, they meet up with Kazmina on the outskirts of, well, like in the forest around the university's main campus. Uh, and they follow this big line of towering torches that reach into the sky. Uh, the idea is like, hey, in in many of the regions around Strixhaven, uh, if you see one of these torches, um, you can follow the paths to the college. Uh, the college is the main campus. Um, and so they're walking and there's not a lot of talking going on. Kazmina is very enigmatic, uh, you know, just like her cards say, wink, wink. And um, Will is a little suspicious. He's like, this lady's kind of weird. And Rowan is just like, why are we going to school? Because she's not like super hyped about this idea. For now. <laughs> For now. So Kasmina drops them off at the um, Biblioplex. And uh, out- outside, uh, the twins notice a uh, small duel between two groups of students. Uh, Prismari students on one side and Silverquill students on the other. And uh, finally, Rowan finds something at Strixhaven that uh, entices her and she runs over and is like oh my god look at this fight all these mages this is exciting Uh, and she jumps onto the Prismari side and starts fighting alongside these kids and Will is like oh my god what are you doing Rowan we have to like go get checked in for school and choose our classes and do all this academic (laughs) stuff get books he mentions <laughs> buying books or like getting books, but that just that made me smile. That brought back memories. <laughs> what me- uh, what name name one college student who has ever been excited to buy books? College bookstores are a racket. Okay, but I I went to school for theater and English, so like buying books for me actually meant like buying novels or plays. It was very uh, different experience. So so they're fighting and uh you know Will goes up to Rowan and is like, Ro, we gotta leave, and then he gets uh plastered by an ink splat from uh, a Silver Quill student and it douses his book in uh ink and ruins it, and he's like, Okay, maybe I have time for a fight. <laughs> and um he, he and Roan slip back into Kylum mode uh, and uh, tried to combine their powers in their in the way that, uh, you know, they, ha- they have been practicing on, on Kylum in the arena, except it goes horribly wrong. Uh, they, they try to, like, encase a bunch of electricity inside an ice ball, but as they launch the attack, the ice ball shatters and the electricity bursts out and zaps a bunch of people. And Rowan is just very excited because their magical attack knocked people over. And Will is like, hey, that was really weird. Why is magic like this that felt bad um and uh that is a uh, a mystery that will uh be investigated later uh because for now we get a short scene with uh liliana talking to some of the other deans including nasari the uh, uh free dean of uh prismari uh and she's like hey i saw something weird in there i think it's a member of the auric we should watch out i uh, i think they are more powerful than y'all realize and they're like oh the auric are an urban legend they're not real there's nothing to worry about everything is fine you know as schools do when they become threatened and academics yeah and, uh, but over the din of everything, uh, Liliana hears, uh, a word as they're breaking up the student fight. Uh, she hears the word Kylum. She recognizes. It's like, hey, wait a sec, that's a whole other plane. And she sees Will and Rowan and is like, hey, they are decidedly not from around here. Planeswalkers. And, uh. Yeah, the, the deans end up breaking up the fight. It's, uh, 
Uh, Would Nasari. you be right here? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, it's Nasari and uh, Lisette, <laughs> one of the teens of Witherbloom, uh, which I thought was interesting that Liliana does not get involved in breaking up this fight. It's just like uh, Nasari does a thing and Lisette does a thing with Roots and they're like, oh, stop fighting. And Liliana doesn't really get involved in there. And it made me think like, it's probably for the best because I think turning students into zombies violates some code of conduct or like HR would be pissed. Yeah, Yeah, it'd probably be frowned upon. So after the twins get settled in the dorm, uh, Will, of course, is super paranoid about what happened with their magic because normally they are super in sync. Um, but Rowan is not super concerned and she's super, uh, ready to go out and socialize. Cause you know, I, I think we can all understand that she's going to be Prismari one way or another. Like they're both going to, but Will is obviously the more cautious of the two and is overly thinking about what's going on. Um, in the meantime, uh, Kazmina is, we, we cut to Kazmina as she's focusing on, uh, her owl who has been spying on the twins, but she's able to uh, like pan off of this camera and switch to another, which has been tracking another planeswalker who's found his way to cut or to uh, Arcavios. It stinky man, the, the stinky, stinky man, boo boo head Luca, <laughs> who is uh, who was found, who she found, or who, who she found climbing up uh, a cliff. Um, where he is beset upon by a group of masked uh, individuals who surround him and his beast. I can't remember what it was, uh, what kind of beast it was, but it, it's a fox. He named it Mila. Oh, fox! There you go. Yeah, it's a legendary creature, fox. <laughs> yep. Sure. Um, I wonder if we're gonna get that fox anyway. We we did. Uh, <laughs> it was previewed today. Yeah. Oh, uh, you were eating your dinner when it was happening, but we are ah. getting a. It is the the other side of Luca. They they have like a little little card gotcha. together. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's a little. Uh, which which by the way, someone get this fox away from Luca. Just don't don't let this fox around that stinky bad man. He's this fox is too precious and does not deserve he, he, anything he that's going to happen. Oh gosh, that that that's awesome. Anyway, um, so Luca is herded into this cave. Um where he sees a stalagmite shift, and he's like, oh, that, that's that's not actually a rock. Um, and he realizes that uh, it's probably a shell. And the, the, the people keep pushing him toward this leader who identifies him as uh, someone from Ikoria. And, uh, you know, and Luca thinks that he's met these kind of beings before, which is odd because we haven't, so... Really interesting yeah. to see how this goes. It's kind of like the cliffhanger where Luca's like, oh, I recognize these nightmarish monsters around me. But why? There's something familiar. Something familiar. Yeah. Um, I mean, they look a lot like the Ikoria nightmares. But uh, beside that, the guy's like, hello, Luca of Ikoria. And Luca's like, oh, how do you know who I am? And um, then that's the end of the episode. Credits roll. We don't get any uh, teasers for next week. The Sorry. credits are at the beginning. It's a, it's a byline. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, this story so, was good. Yeah, this mostly just sets up what our characters are about. Uh, Liliana has a small line about being guilty about Gideon. Um, the twins, and and like we learned that she's undercover. Uh, the twins are having uh, a, a little spat about. Yes, we're twins and we're connected, and we have to planeswalk together, but we have our own lives. Uh, Kazmina is mysterious and manipulative, and Luca is here. 
Shacking up with some bad looking folks. Because he's a bad looking folk. Because he's bad. Uh, Correct. Certified jerk. Certified terrible jerk. Um, I want to say I really appreciate about this story the way that like it perfectly captures that sort of like you know, like when you have like your best friend or like a sibling and you both get into something together and maybe like you're yeah. more interested in it than they are at first, but then they end up either being better at it than you or like being more successful at it. And so they didn't even want to do it in the first place, but now they're like so much better than you at it. That's the Rowan Will dynamic. And like, I can feel that for Will. We're just like, oh, come on. This was my thing. Going to school is my thing. And yet Rowan's out here being popular and cool. And I'm just a nerd. Well, he wants to get better at being a mage. He thinks, hey, we can learn a lot here and become, you know, grow as wizards and uh, maybe learn some new techniques. And Rowan is like, yeah, but I want to get in fights because fights are fun, which is reasonable because they just spent a whole bunch of time being gladiators. <laughs> so um, that is uh, feels like a natural thing for her to to want after that anyway. It's more glory. I, I love their characterizations in this story. I think they are wonderful. I am excited to learn more about them. I'm excited to see more of Will because I love Will despite being, maybe because he's just a big nerd. Big fan of that. Yeah, uh, I can sympathize with that. Also, yeah, canonically I, bisexual, kind of. Um, if you if you take the uh, insinuations from the Wildered Quest, uh, Will is bisexual. Representation in your games. It's good stuff. Uh, I, I too am a big fan of Rowan and Will. I had a, uh, a lot of fun writing them for Eldraine and a moderately difficult time writing them uh, for this set because they're on one of the MDFCs so they're not interacting. They ne- they never interact uh, in these new scripts uh, because they're not part of the same card technically. And uh, when you have a whole idea of two people and that idea is built upon their sibling dynamic and then you have a card where they don't have that dynamic. It throws the wrench in all your plans and ideas and uh, yeah. but it was fun. They're, they're, they're both very good and interesting and unique people who have a lot of similarities and a lot of differences um which is i think like the big twin mood especially because they're not like identical twins where uh um, there's a lot of like they are a lot alike but they are their own people and uh, it's obviously something that's already been uh explored the tiniest bit even just in the first story but we have another story to talk about we do this one's also very gay uh, it's not like mega gay but uh it is a little bit gay. Uh, it's called uh, A Cry of Magic uh, by Aisha U. Farah, um, who, if you remember, like a month ago, I was talking about a visual novel on Kickstarter. Uh, this guy left us. Uh, she is uh, one of the people making that and writing it. So uh, very excited to see her uh, show up uh, writing a magic story. So this is the Prismari story for Rutha. Uh, and we we are introduced to Rutha Squallheart, who is an orc. Uh, while she is getting mildly yelled at by uh, Uvilda, who is the blue dean of the Prismari and her advisor, uh, because Rutha has not turned in any projects for critique yet. And Uvila is like, I don't know what the matter is. Uh, you're doing so great, and you come from such a such a great family of artists talking about Rutha's mom, uh, who is uh, the fourth in their family to attend Strixhaven. Rutha is the fifth, and, and Rutha's mom is a very famous artist with a very distinctive style. It's uh, part of their family style. And Rutha just like, can't get into any of that stuff, and she's all fidget. God, there are so many little ADHD quirks <laughs> in this. I loved it uh, as, as someone. The big artist with ADHD who can't decide what the hell they want is a mood. Um uh, 
So, um, Rutha is really uncomfortable hearing about her mom. She has really complex feelings about her mom as an artist and how she relates to her mom as an artist and her whole family dynamic. Um, and Uvita is like, look, you have until tomorrow to submit a project to be critiqued. And Rutha is like, well, crap, that sucks. Um, and so she leaves the meeting and one of the candles that was sitting on Uvita's desk uh, springs to life and follows her because it's um, uh, uh, sorry, the Afrit Dean, who we um, met in the first story. Uh, and they, uh, who, uh, Nasari is non-binary, by the way. And uh, uses they pronouns. So uh, they talk to Ruth for a little bit and are like, um, hey, you know, that was a pretty rough meeting. And it sounds like you could use some different advice. And uh, I would like to help out. And Ruth is like, no, thank you. And uh, goes back to her uh, dormitory slash studio because all the art students get a big studio attached uh, for them to do their work. And Rutha does a lot of big, painful thinkies about her family life and herself as an artist and her magical powers uh, and her mom. She does a big thinky and also a big drinky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very much so. Um, she she is uh, getting a little tipsy and thinks about this song that her mom used to hum um, when she was working. Because, uh, you know, I, as a little kid, she would mix paints for her mom. Her mom, work. Her mom had this uh, just little tune that she would hum and uh it's been stuck in ruth's head all day uh and she's getting a little tipsy and there's a knock on the door and she goes and gets it and uh well look who it is it's uh felisa fang uh a vampire from silver quill that uh rutha hooked up with in the in their their past at college and felisa's like rutha how are you doing i heard you could use some encouragement so i came over to help you out and Rutha's like, great, but all my art sucks. And Lisa's like, no, your art is really pretty. And also, by the way, you're really pretty. And Ruthus gets very flustered and then realizes, hey, wait a sec. Felice is a vainglory, a type of mage who can influence people's uh, emotions by giving them compliments and flattering them. And it's like, hey, 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 none of this. I'm trying to get work done. I am miserable. Get out of here. Um, and, and tells Felisa off and she leaves. And uh, Rutha is pretty angry at everything that's just, you know, Felice has just upset her more and she smashes her pro- her current project. Um, it's, uh, it's an ice sculpture and uh, it's just shattered across her studio and she's like, well, now I have literally nothing and I have a project due tomorrow and I'm a little silly. Uh, so she decides to go for a walk and she's walking down um, the, uh, you know, outside the Prismari campus looking at these uh, big exquisite projects that are all around. Uh, and then one of her bracelets feels really, really hot and she sees a ring of fire that leaps off of her arm and manifests and it's Nasari again who is like hey Rutha what just happened with that and Rutha's like well you know I smashed my project because you know I got angry after Felisa was there and you know they they surmised that Uvila probably asked uh Felisa to check in and try and encourage um Rutha to get this project done and and she's really frustrated because like hey Uvila keeps trying to help me and it just makes everything worse and I can't do anything um, like, I just have this stupid wild magic, and I can't control it. I don't have, like, the fine magic motor control that my mother has. And, uh, Nasari is like, so what? And Ruth is like, you don't understand, I almost killed my brother with it when we were little. And Nasari's like, okay, come over here with me. And they go over to a section of the campus called Fury Gale, which is basically a junkyard trash pile of broken and failed projects that just get discarded. And it's just a wild, chaotic area. And Nasari's like you think you suck right well 
I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe you should do something about it. You have this power, this wild magic. You can't control it. Whatever. I think you can. You should hit me with it. And Ruth is like, excuse me? And Nosari's like, come on, blast me with your magic, loser. And uh, really eggs Rutha on until uh, Rutha gets very angry and opens her mouth and basically just screams out this electrical discharge at Nosari, uh, who nimbly and deftly dodges out of the way. Um, and as this uh, crackling like cloud of energy remains up there, and Rutha is like, why are you? Oh my god, I just attacked a dean. I'm going to get kicked out of school. Oh no, what is everything spinning out of control? And Nosari's like, well, don't worry about it. I asked you to. Uh, and Ruth is like, okay, but I still don't have a project. And Ruth is like, no, 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 look at the thing you created up there. And, and Ruth like, just thinks it's a mess, but then like starts to ponder it and explore it magically and realizes that embedded within all that anger is um, like echoes of that song that her mom hummed and that was stuck in her head. Uh, and um, she's like, okay, but like, this isn't a project. This is just garbage. And I can't hand this in. Uh, like, Vittle's gonna kick me out. And Nosari's like, don't worry. You're not gonna leave this school unless you really want to leave because you'll be fine. You don't have to hand a project into Uvilda. I'm gonna be your new advisor. And she's like, I don't understand, but someone has to deal with Uvilda. And Nosari's like, I will handle that. Forget that. We're gonna teach you how to art good because you have very cool magic and you need to learn how to use it. And, and this, uh, little aspirational moment is how the story ends we uh we don't we don't get to see the kind of uh big growth there in the story but it's just like this little push like finally there is an advisor who understands rutha as a person and as an individual and uh rutha's like hey wait this might actually work and be helpful and good and it's this uh first step to rutha finding her own identity as this i think um i have like two major thoughts from the story the first one is i like the way that it sort of it shows us that like a common theme behind all of these students um, is that sort of weight of legacy and how that affects them at like an Institute of learning, uh, which I think is very interesting. Like we know that Rutha has this relationship with her mother who has like this past and this history with the Prismari, but also as an artist and Rutha has to like, how does she relate to that? How does she relate to those memories? And like at one point, Nasari is like, I hated your mom. It's okay. She was like kind of bad. And, like Rutha's like for the first time in her life, probably hearing negative things about her mom is like, oh my God, I'm not the only one, um, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, and also I thought it was very interesting that one of the deans of the Prismari sent, sent uh, like a booty call to one of her students. And then the other dean was just there the whole time. When was she going to leave? Like, what if things had gotten kind of kind of heated between between uh, Rutha and Felisa? Was, was Nasari just going to like hang out as like a little fire bobble the whole time like oh, <laughs> it's very awkward oh wow like all i know is i like it when girls uh, and <laughs> and and very much appreciate some lesbian rapid magic yeah i love how masari is very they don't really care about the um the process of how things your process of achieving your art or manifesting your art they just care about you doing the thing that produces whatever you want or whatever art you you want to produce, right? And it, it was very the way that they approach um, getting Rutha to let loose and generate the, this this the inspiration for this project, um, this this beam of magic that has her mother's song in it is like. 
my first project was an earthquake. Like that that's super awesome. And I think that it shows that they are willing to they they aren't like most academics who are super regimented and want to see like it's the essential opposite of what you would imagine a, 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 a quandrix would be. They are willing to push the boundaries and do things a little bit differently to get the results that the stu- the best results out of their students. Um, and you know, it really like I, I felt a lot of things reading the story because you know it's sometimes when you're in school and you're not really thinking about how things. Or not, not happens when you're in school and you have all these expectations on you, and you're not really sure what the best route to do it because things don't seem to be the, the results that you're putting out don't seem to live up to your own expectations. You have to be willing to go with the flow and at least start with something. And I think uh, Nasari's way of making Rutha see that was very interesting to me, and that really spoke to me because it's something that I kind of wish that I'd had when I was in school. So it's a really interesting viewpoint to see how a teacher interacts with a student to get the best out of them. And I really enjoyed that part of the story. Rutha is big relatable for me as an artist. Uh, This is something that was true when I was writing for the set. Um, Just struggling to find that identity, to to create work that you feel is good enough, Um, holding yourself to this impossible standard that you will guarantee fail because you don't know how to just let yourself be a mess um because that's that's really what the story is about it's saying hey you're allowed to be a mess art is messy art is ugly art is destructive art is painful sometimes all these things are allowed right you don't have to like perfect a technique here you need to get part of your soul into a project that's really hard um the uh Rutha's card is printed with a flavor text uh uh, quote, art is never finished, merely abandoned, um, which is a piece of advice that was given to me in college, um, specifically about writing, but it is broadly uh, art advice. Uh, artists will blast their own work till the end of time. No artist looks back at their old work fondly and can only see the imperfections, the things they would change, uh, the things that they have since learned to do better. Um, we look back and we just see mistakes. They're everywhere. Um, and when when artists are in the process of creating art, um, a lot of people have a hard time finishing because it's when do you feel like a project is finished? Um, especially for writing, you know, you can tweak words and punctuation and sentence structure forever, but at some point you have to be done. If you want this to be a piece of art, sometimes you have to put it down and put it out into the world. Uh, and and that's kind of the lesson Ruth is, is starting to be taught in this story is like, hey, you don't have to have a perfect project. You need to start with a mess and you can play with that mess and if it ends up messy so be it you've made some messy art and that doesn't make it bad art that just makes it messy art that is just an adjective it has and we'll figure it out along the way but it will be yours and it will be your expression of your true self of something you believe in uh and it's just good the story's (laughs) just i have never cried at a magic story before and uh i was getting really teary at the beginning of this one um ruth is just big relatable um she if you want to know what it's like if you want to know what it's like to exist as an artist for me read this story and you have a pretty good insight to to what it's like anytime i have to work on something 
Um, you know, I had uh, a big, uh, you know, when I when I do the big arena threads for, for when sets come out, uh, you know, uh, for Kaldheim, I talked about uh, all the pressure I put on myself for um, Nico. And uh, that just dovetails perfectly with all this. Like, I just, I put this impossible standard on myself and had a really hard time working. And it took, it took a shower where I was having a breakdown and then had to talk myself out of it out loud for like 45 minutes sitting in the shower until the water got cold of letting go on that impossible standard I was holding myself to. Uh, and then I wrote a kick-ass script. And um, it's just, art is weird. Being an artist is weird. And like, I, I, it's hard for me to explain art things in ways that non-artists might, non-artists might understand. But I think this story is a really good look into one very small part of that. Um, so uh, especially if you're not an artist, this is a really good representation of what uh, me specifically and a lot of other artists feel. But that's, I think, enough of uh, me talking about this story. Well, uh, Ruth's art was done by Chris Ron, famously a Planeswalker artist. They don't use a lot of different artists for Planeswalkers, so I'm just saying. Maybe we'll get more Ruth in the future. Chris does non-Planeswalker <laughs> art in most sets. <laughs> Chris has done a lot of Planeswalker art. At this point, by this point in time, Chris Ron has done a lot of Planeswalker art. Um, uh, Chris is great, that's why. Yeah, <laughs> Great art. They've done a lot of non-Planeswalker art, too, but... The point is, they've done a lot of Planeswalker art. So. Um, I just want all of the students to become Planeswalkers. I want to see all of them. I think it's very cool. Uh, they're they're all good beans. Um, uh, Ruth is the one I find most relatable. Quintorius is the goodest boy, though. Um, I'm very excited to, to get to his story. Um, but uh, that, I think, is going to wrap it up for this week, unless anyone else has anything else to say. Narp. Narp, Chris. All right. That's two narps. <laughs> uh, which means it's time for our final thoughts. And um, my final thought this week, uh, I had been sitting here all day with a final thought in my head and I didn't write it down and now I don't remember it. So if you want more evidence of what it's like for some people who have ADHD, it's this. Just constantly forgetting things. Uh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> it was a good one too. Um, but I don't know. Whatever. Uh yeah, it's just, it's just gone. I that's that's my final thought. My final thought is in the ether. We'll see if I remember it before we actually stop recording. Sad day. Um my final thought is that um I hope nothing bad happens to this fox. This fox looks great. I've only I've known it for less than an hour. And if anything happens to it, uh, I'll kill Luca and not myself because I'm not worth that. But uh, I'll, I'll kill everybody because this this fox better survive. I, I I love the if anything bad happens to this fox, I'll kill Luca. Doesn't matter what happens to the fox, how, who's responsible. <laughs> you know what? I would kill Luca even if nothing happens to that fox. That that's fair, but yeah, <laughs> and that's it. That's all I got. My final thought is uh, Wild Rift, the mobile version of League of Legends, is now available in the Americas, and I have been playing it a lot. It is fun. It is a very good phone game. Yeah, just that was my final thought. Um, I'm out of gummy worms. Uh, it's a problem, but I can't justify buying another box of sour gummy worms. At this point, it's getting it's getting a little scary. All right, some, someone called Joe Biden, get another round of stimulus money so Chris can buy more gummies. <laughs> Oh, I don't. I don't need fourteen hundred dollars worth of gummies, but I will take them. <laughs> um, why we gotta stop ha setting up segues to talk about money? <laughs> that that's just awkward. Um, um, hey, <laughs> if you got your stimulus check recently, I have a suggestion. <laughs> 
Uh, but anyway, if you like our show and you enjoy the fact that we produce episodes every week and uh, talk all about the magic lore that you love, you can head over to patreon.com slash the cast and start supporting us today. Uh, everyone who does gets access to our Discord community where Vorthoses from around the world are loving the heck out of Strixhaven preview season. Uh, I was a big fan of the set from the moment I started working on it, and I'm really, really happy to see everyone very excited for it. Um, we're obviously in the part of the year where we have Magic Story ongoing, so if you want a place to talk about that, we have one of those. And um yeah it's great so stop on by if that's a thing you're interested in uh and if not and you still want to support us that's also okay uh we we very much appreciate all our patrons and uh even on a grander scale and by the way i have not remembered what the final thought is so uh this this is the point of no return that thought is just gone i'll probably remember it at 10 o'clock tonight but otherwise uh thank you everyone for listening this has been the vorthos cast